Well, good morning, church. Let me just make one statement for you before I start. You might think, because of what you've gone through this week and the loss that you've had in your family, why are you here? I'm here not because I have to be here. I was released from this responsibility from Pastor Tony a while ago not to do this, but I'm bringing you the word because God gave us the word for this morning. So I'm fine. Is there mourning in our hearts? Is there sadness in our hearts? Yes, there is. We thank God for life and how things unfold. We thank you for your support as the closer family to us and you stretch out. But this morning, I look to bring you the word in strength. Is that okay? So I'm going to deliver in strength. And my hope and prayer is that you draw in strength. You might even think this morning, Phil, where are you going? But I tell you, I believe in all my heart that this is a key word at a key time for us as the house. Pastor Tony launched last week and he launched from Hosea 9-11 is where he finished last week. And the scripture he used was, as for Ephraim, the glory shall fly away like a bird with no birth no pregnancy, and no conception. You see how Pastor Tony labored last week on the first step of that conception that must come to you. And I believe with all my heart this morning that there is a tremendous pressing need in the church of today for spiritual midwives who will walk us through the process of conception, of pregnancy, and birth. There are so many when you hear, they're delighted and they're carried away and they're excited, and so they should be, that they say, we are pregnant. Have you noticed the lady's not pregnant? We are pregnant. Yes? Is that a common phrase to use these days? That we are pregnant. And you can sit and you can plan, and as the baby bump gets bigger, you can sit on the sofa and you can plan of what will they be like? Is it a boy or a girl? And will they go to what school will they go to? And you plan their future decades in advance when nothing yet is seen. So you're planning. If they're good enough, let's start a savings pot because they're going to go to Cambridge or they're going to go to Oxford. Never mind Thameside College. Forget Thameside College. There's only the best for what's born of us is so glorious. This is where it's going to go. And then the midwife brings you back into alignment that says, right, so before this baby's born, our job, correct me if I'm wrong, Mel, but our job, I know she's at the later stages rather than the beginning, but you walk through that process that says, let's take care of the vessel as well as the seed that's being sown. So don't be too stressed and don't do alcohol and don't do cigarettes and don't put on too much weight and make sure that you move around because mom has to be just as healthy of that which is going to be birthed through her. So when Pastor Tony is talking about this conception that comes to your life, it is not just the seed that has to be in good shape. It's the vessel that it's going to come to. I believe that it's God's intention that every life and every man and woman who saved and called themselves sons and daughters of the living God are called to be life givers and seed carriers. He came that we have life and have life abundantly. Not just scraping over the line, not just getting there, but we are in good shape to carry the very seed that we have. Now, this is where you might think, Phil, this is where you're taking a left turn, but it's okay. I want to read you a scripture from John 10.10 that you all know. As soon as I start to say it, you'll know the verse. It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and may have that life abundantly. The enemy is set up from his beginning to have a destructive nature. Where you're called to be a life carrier, he's called, uh, not called, he's created himself. Because remember, there is a difference between the one who is in heaven 
and the one that is now created himself, Lucifer to Satan. He is a self-made creation. God didn't make him evil. His choices have carried his nature in a set direction. But let me tell you something from the beginning. That when we've turned around and said conception, pregnancy and birth, number three is the perfect number. It's the number of completeness. The Trinity, the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. He comes to say, right, I set up my alternative to kill, steal and destroy. There is conception, pregnancy and birth, the three. He looks to remove any one of those that stops your Jenga tower getting to where it's supposed to be. This nature that he has is a destructive nature and it reduces him. When you come into Jesus Christ and you're born again, we move from one degree of glory to the next. So when I'm in Christ and I'm found in him, I move from glory to glory. Is that right? Precept upon precept, line upon line, our progression is moving forward. Am I being biblical without turning to all the scriptures? Is that all right? When we're moving from glory to glory, the sin nature that he carries reduces him. That every day he gets worse and every day is lesser of a creation than he was before. Because sin can only reduce you. Oh, how you were the darling of heaven. So where is he now? You see him in Genesis as the serpent. You see him in Revelation as the dragon. His nature has changed. It's got progressively worse and bigger. That makes sense. Are we still on the page? So let me read you this scripture from John 8, 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. How much truth in him? When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So let's just condense that. He's a murderer from the beginning. He's the father of lies. His native language is lies. And there is no truth found in him. Right, so let's just arrest the point that you don't like and I don't like. Worldly wisdom that does not find its origin, nature and creation in God is flawed from the beginning. It is already error. The best lie you ever get is 98% truth. So when someone tells you something that's almost the truth, it's the best lie. And so he sows a concept or a thought in your heart or my heart that is mostly there. But over time, he sows a second one that makes that gap bigger and bigger and bigger. We move away from the purposes and principles of God. But scripture says, but we are not ignorant of his schemes. Amen. Thank God he's not there just pulling our pants down spiritually. But we are not ignorant of his schemes. Now this is where I rain on your parade a little bit. Is that okay? So we've seen that he comes to steal, kill and destroy. It's amazing. I know different translations put it different places. But we set it up as Bill, kill, steal and destroy because it seems to roll off the tongue easier. But he first comes to steal from you, then to kill, and then to destroy. Now, it's my intention this morning of to show you what those three aspects are and how it will and how it does affect your life. Is that okay? Now, again, like I said, I want to rain on your parade. You are not Satan's priority. Satan does not get up this morning and say, I wonder what Chris is doing. You as an individual have a great life. Help old ladies across the road. Hold your hands up in church. Sing a song. Put a fiver in the offering. Do whatever. It doesn't bother him. He's not looking for you. He's looking for the seed that you 
carry. You as the individual can go by and have your normal life. Now there's a question that is asked in Acts 19.15. It says this, And the evil spirit, this is speaking of the sons of Sceva, uh, answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And that question is asked every day in your spiritual walk. Who are you? Who are you? Are you the one who has a fruitful womb that can carry the dream of heaven? Because when you carry the seed and the dream of heaven, now you become dangerous. If there is no conception, do life. Go and do whatever you want. Start a charity. Be great. Be wonderful. Be the one who knocks on your neighbour every day. Just making sure, Doris, you're okay. Do you need a cup of tea, Doris? Can I go shopping for you? Great. That makes you a nice person. But we know about nice, don't we? It's not a fruit of the Spirit. So when we turn around and he's asking that question, who are you? There is a challenge to how you're set up internally that when Pastor Tony was sharing last week of, can that word come to you that conception begins? That is what will change your life. I said that is what will change your life this morning when you're set up that way. He is a murderer from the beginning. He used the same strategy with Moses as he did with Jesus Christ. Kill the seed. Find the firstborn. Get rid of everything that can be this vehicle that will carry seed life. He has no alternative. He moves. It's the same thing. You see patterns of behavior how the enemy works in different ways. You just see how his life just moves and works through. But do you know what? This seed of conception that comes to you is process. And in that process of conception, pregnancy and birth, please forgive me if I keep saying the same words because it's you who needs to hear it. You can't run ahead of process. Shall I say it again? You can't run ahead of process. You cannot spray on maturity You can't spray on and think you have experience when you haven't faced it. Scripture says seed time and harvest. What comes first? Seed time. There has to be this to receive this. When I was a child, I thought like a child, acted and reasoned like a child, but now I am a man, I put childish ways behind me. It's John who tells you, he turns around and says, first you have sin, and then when sin becomes fully grown, it gives birth to death. There is process. Each one of those processes can be arrested. He's looking to see things changed around. So let's get to point number one. Point number one is that he comes to steal from you. Now, the thing is about the enemy when he deals in your life and my life, he's a confidence trickster. You've been robbed most of the time and don't even know you've been robbed. Have you seen those guys on TV, the ones who are the kind of uh, artists that class themselves as magicians? And they shake your hand and say, good morning, Chris. And when they walk away, they're wearing your watch. Have you seen that? That's the way the enemy is. I'm sorry, Chris, I've just got your watch. <laughs> You'll see elements of where he moves towards your life and you didn't even know he stripped something out of it. You didn't even realise, because we think, let's have the game changer. The game changer is he should just kill you. He's not looking to kill you. We'll get to what he's looking to kill moving forward. But do you know what? Here's... Here's a um, strategy of war. Not that I've ever been a soldier or been in the military, but there is a guerrilla warfare strategy that works like this. It started in Vietnam, and you saw it all the way into Afghanistan, into Syria, different things. If I put down a landmine 
or what do they call them, Chris? Now there was a device aid. And it's like a, an anti-personnel thing. What the job is, if I can cripple you, lose your leg or an arm or whatever, not only can you not fight me, but you become a complete burden when we send you back home. Because if I kill you, it's a bullet. But if I then put you in a situation where you can't fight, you're a burden on society, there's a problem in your family, there's mental health issues, everything that's, that breaks down... I don't need to kill you. I just need to get you to the place where you'll limp for the rest of your life and I still win. So this confidence trickster of knowing how you're robbed, in Matthew 13, 3, it says this. Then he told them many things in parables, saying a farmer went out to sow the seed, as we know, scattering seeds. Some fell on the path and the birds came and ate it. So we just read it and the birds came and ate it. But you've got to go to Mark's gospel to be able to get that understanding and the translation for it. Do you realize that the parable of the sower is the most powerful parable in scripture? Have you ever noticed that? I'll tell you why. In Mark 4.13, it says this. Then Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? Not all parables. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand any Parable. It is the gateway parable to understand it. So the farmer sows the word. Some fell like seed along the path where the word is sown. And soon uh, as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word that was sown in them. The bird of the air is Satan himself, the spiritual forces that have one job. Remove the word that is coming to you. He has one job, remove that seed. He comes to take away the word that's sown. His first intent is to remove that from us. Go all the way back to Genesis. What is his first strategy? Did God really say? If he cannot remove the seed that's coming to you, he will try and undermine the word that's in you. He will steal the greatest commodity you have and I have in our life is the word of God. It's the word that will hold us. It's the word that retains us. It's the word that creates. It's the catalyst for life. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And there was nothing created without. So how do you expect your life to change without? So what does he want to steal from you? Hello? There can be no conception when there is no room made for the word. The plumb line of his word, when we take it away, when we remove it, we remove every absolute, we remove our values, and then we replace it with negativity, we replace it with compromise, we replace it with philosophy, and even worse, we replace it with your and my opinion. We stand and give our opinion and stick God's name on it. We remove absolutes. And we go, but fail, fail, fail. This scripture was written so long ago and we've got greater interpretation. And, and what did Paul really know? What did Paul really know? I think God thinks he could trust Paul when he wrote two thirds of the New Testament. But I'm not going to tell you who. But I showed Pastor Tony the email that came through to us of one of the major organizations. It was the latest book of saying the writings of Paul, where he got it wrong. Because you know what we've done? We've removed absolutes. We've removed values to bring it into a cultural setting and saying, if only Paul lived in the gay village in Manchester in 2019, he would have a completely different understanding of same-sex marriage. Now, again, I wasn't laughing. I made the statement that we did a job probably two years ago and when we did the job, you had to choose gender, male or female. Two years ago, there were 36 different gender types. But did you see the argument that Piers Morgan was having that he refused to accept that there are now 100 genders? 
There is male and there is female. Because you can call yourself a giraffe all you want. But when I take your DNA, it says X or Y. It doesn't say giraffe. We remove absolutes. We remove the word. Well, let me tell you what one of the biggest issues and problems is of the 21st century church that absolutely arrested me. And hopefully, I pray this morning, I arrest you also. That what we have done in church is that we have removed sin and called it problems. Shall I say it again? We've removed sin and we've called it problems. You see, Billy had an affair. Billy had an affair because his wife wasn't putting out and she was out on the town with the mates and, you know, she was never at home and his tea was never ready when he got home. So I feel fully justified that, you know, speaking to Brenda next door. Sorry, Brenda. <laughs> I was talking to Phyllis. Sorry, when we met Brenda. I was talking to Phyllis next door and we started talking and we hit it off. And, and before I know it, I suddenly found myself naked and it just happened. Oh, well, you see, I can understand where you're coming from because if your wife had shown you more, you know, she'd been there for you and she'd been understanding and she knew the pressures of work and she knew that you had to work those extra shifts and maybe sometimes you had... We've removed sin and we call it a problem and we understand it. Oh, I fully understand because we remove Christ and we bring in the counsellor's couch. So let's just sit in and let's talk about your problem, Kath. (laughs) Scripture doesn't say you have a problem. Scripture said he was an adulterer. But we don't want to say those words, do we? Oh, it's too hard. Oh, Oh, come to Jesus. Yes, but you can't stay that way. We remove the absolutes. We've changed it all together. But let's just remind you, for anyone who may be feeling slightly awkward this morning, when you stood at that altar, you said, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death do we part according to God's holy covenant or ordinance. But she ignored me, and I had no tea. (laughs) For better or for worse, she was a pain in the backside. He went to the pub instead of coming home. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. You made a covenant. But if I steal away or remove the absolutes, what do we have? So now he comes to kill. We don't need to drag it all out. So we see that he comes to steal the very word that will come to your life, okay? So now he comes to kill. You know what they say is one of the greatest killers? Carbon monoxide, the invisible killer. You put on your gas fire or you have a bath and you see it and he went, and they were found dead in their bath. Why? Because the fumes that were given off by the boiler that was in the bathroom was an invisible killer and what he will look, apart from being that confidence trickster that will steal from you, he brings elements into your life that you have a slow death without knowing you're dying. He doesn't need to come and just wipe you out. Oh, Billy got run over by a bus. God bless, may he be in heaven. He'll just chip away and chip away and chip away. We always want to look at physical death, but the thing he removes from you first is spiritual life. He wants to kill the spiritual life in you. He will steal the word from coming, and when the word is set, he will kill the spiritual life inside of you. He sucks it out. I remember, I was putting this together, I remembered when Pastor Tony touched on it years ago. How many would just remember when they were around at that time? There's a hole in my bucket. Do you remember Pastor Tony went through the whole process of there's a hole in my bucket? And it's a drip, drip, drip 
that you don't realise. Your bucket's full one day, and then things just carry on, the circumstances of life, as the parable of the sower says. You know, needs versus lack, again, which Pastor Tony covered. All that lead to the highway of compromise, your bucket gets less and less and less. But if you've ever had it, and I pray you haven't, but for those who've had that wonderful experience, have you ever had a leak at home? The leak's fine, it's just a drip, 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 until you put that leak under pressure. So the leak goes from a drip, drip, drip to shooting across the room as soon as you turn on your central heating system or whatever. Whatever puts it under pressure, cause what you carry to be lost at a quicker rate. So I bring circumstances and experiences to your life that when you're put under pressure, when there's already a hole in your bucket, what's inside of you gets dissipated at a higher and faster rate. It just disappears. It gets wiped out. But I go back to my school days. Not long ago, a couple of years, if I remember. When I was a kid and kids had bikes, there was no LED. There was no LED. You know what you had on your bike? A dynamo. Well, it, bells are all right for you if you're running people over, but if you want to be seen, calf. <laughs> we had a dynamo. Does anybody remember what a dynamo is? Is anybody old enough to remember what a dynamo was? It was a little silver thing with a, like a, a piece on the top that was like a knurl, and you rolled it over, it touched your tyre. And when you pedaled, it spun around that worked a generator, a turbine, inside this little unit that made your lights come on. You didn't have a battery. You had a dynamo. So when you stopped pedaling, guess what happened? Your light went out. So you were all right as long as you kept moving. As long as you kept moving, everything was fine. Now the Holy Ghost turns around and it comes to your life and my life and says... I set myself inside of you as your spiritual dynamo. That when I connect to him, I start to draw the word. When I start to speak in tongues and I connect my spirit, my spirit man starts to get energized. The light inside me, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, can be a beacon and a city on a hill because of what's inside of me. The enemy wants to remove your dynamo. He wants to remove your love. He wants to remove your passion. So if he removes the Holy Ghost and he removes the word, what do you have left? You lot and me. I'm not being harsh with you. We get standard Christianity, which he's not bothered about. He's not bothered about because it doesn't change anything. This is what Jesus turned around, his promise he made in John 7, 38. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow through him. Who? So the whoever. Are you part of the whoever? Whoever so, so may come, or whoever will may come. That whoever, he gives that ability to say, there's a river inside of you that produces life, produces hope. You go, oh, but Phil, it's just a river. Just talk about this river. God is so moved by his river. There is the river of the Holy Ghost. There is the promise of the Father. There is the river that flows from his throne. There is the river in the Garden of Eden, the very core of where worship came from. There is the river of Ezekiel that is knee ankle, waist, chest, deep enough to swim in. And there is the promise in, from Jesus Christ that says, and this river is birthed in you. You no longer have access to the river in the Garden of Eden. I've moved it and placed it in you. Every treasure that was in the Garden of Eden is found in you. Everything that can be found has now been implanted into you. And what do you and I need to do? Oh, stir up a well. When I stir up what's inside of me, it stops me being robbed, it stops me being killed, and enables me to stay in my field of barley. There is so much that comes. 
Now this is it. We've seen river in the throne, river in the garden, river in Ezekiel, river in you. The scripture turns around and says, and the enemy is found in waterless places. He can't be and exist where you are. So we will take you to where he is. The place of waterless barrenness. Oh, come on. Is there anybody here this morning who's experienced any of this being removed from life and plugged into somewhere else? But do you know what? What is absolutely fantastic for us? God knows ahead of time. In his foreknowledge, Zechariah turns around and says this. Because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from waterless places. From waterless places this morning, because of the blood, he's saying, I'm bringing you to a place of life. But will you stir up that well? Oh, sing to the well, draw the well, love the word, hold the word, draw it in. Become that very womb for his word to bring conception. And then the Holy Ghost will allow the life to stay there because of what's generated on the inside. Is there an amen this morning? This is what he's looking to strip from you. He's looking to strip it from you and he's looking to strip it from me. When there is no flow, you become dry, you become barren. There is a spiritual drought in your life. It doesn't matter what anybody says. You're not moved in the worship. You're not moved by what's being preached. You can agree with it. You're not in disagreement. You're just not accepting anything. You're just there, null and void. There is a situation of, you've seen those pictures on TV. Always the ones that come on at the most emotive times when you're just having your tea. Let's show you, oh, and let's show you what's happening here in, in somewhere in the world. And it's always dry and the land's all cracked up and there's no place for seed. That's what happens to you. If there is no life and the soil is not being stirred on the inside, if it's not being moistured, if there's no dew of heaven falling on it, there is no place for the seed to fall. So even when it's cast, it's bouncing out. It's got nowhere to go. He then comes and steals. And when there's still a little bit of moisture in your life, the parable says, and you shoot up quickly. And then nothing. It cannot come to fruition, to maturity, to harvest. Look what he's doing in you and me. Does this make sense? So when you feel that you're in that place, of being dry, when you feel it's barren, go back to point one. Where am I being stolen from? Lord God, I need your word that will sustain me. I need your word that will hold me, that will keep me, that will make me what I'm supposed to be. We go back to that first place. Each one of us, you and I, have to learn how to stay spiritually buoyant. I didn't watch it last night, but I saw it. Ten reasons why the Titanic sank. Wasn't it that big iceberg thing that you hit? Oh, well, they didn't have a radio, and they opened the portholes, and they didn't have enough. Right, fine, and they didn't know what an SOS signal was. Fine. How do you stay buoyant in your life? You stay buoyant in your life is a word and spirit dynamic. It's not you getting up in the morning and going, do you know what? I'm going to try my best. It is the word and it's the spirit that will sustain you in your sickness. People turn around and they make this statement, don't they? Oh, well, um, again, we'll use her over here, different name, Priscilla. I've got to be really careful when I look around. Priscilla, oh, she had a better outcome to her cancer because she was positive. They say a positive mindset will help. We believe in a positive mindset, don't we? Without swinging the pendulum too far. But yet when we come to this side, Scripture says, it's the spirit that will sustain you in your sickness. So I have to find the place of buoyancy. David, when he was going through hell in 1 Samuel 36, he said, David was greatly distressed because the men were taking stones to stone him. David's not having a good day. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found his strength in the Lord. He found his strength in Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, 
He found his strength in the Lord. He learned, there's another translation, and David learned to delight himself in God. Right, let's be honest. There's times people want to take you and I out. They want to stone you. They want to do you hard. You feel harmed. You feel like you want to justify yourself. You want to fight everybody. You're going to put it on here. I'm going to have 14 character witnesses. Why, that can't be right. And I'm going to name Eric. And Eric's known me since I was at school. What are you doing? Find your place in the Lord. And it's the Lord who will fight for you. If someone has made an opinion and a decision in their life, you're a div, you're a div. You ain't going to change what they think of you. My situation and position is what does he say of me? But let me help you back in the land of stolen and him killing something. Again, we've used it before, but it's so strong I'm using it again. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names may never hurt me. Rubbish rubbish the words that someone says into your heart will do more lasting damage than a broken limb but i have to say but whose report will you believe and i only find that in his word i only find that when his spirit is touching my heart and i've not been stolen i'm not being killed What is birthed in the spirit must be maintained in the spirit. Now we say that because it's a great cliche. Oh, what's birthed in the spirit is maintained in the spirit. But that means when you were born again by the spirit of God, it must be maintained in the spirit. And not add every national guru on top of that. It is the spirit that will sustain. It's the spirit reveals Christ. It's the spirit who leads you into all truth. I don't need... Do you know what? The Holy Ghost doesn't need somebody else's help. He doesn't go, well, do you know what? I'm so, Father, I'm struggling this morning with that Veronica. Really struggling. I bring her the word. I bring her the truth. I bring her wisdom. I bring her understanding. We've even made it a portion. Lord, yeah, I know. I know, we brought the word to the dream centre that revelation and understanding was their portion, but not her. What are we going to do with her? Oh, we better find somebody else. Right, all we need to do is... Uh, have you tried looking at your horoscope? Fortune cookies. Um, get to a self-help class. Uh, get on YouTube. He doesn't need anything adding. When I add, it reduces me. It does not add to me. The final stage. He comes to destroy. Hang on a minute, Phil. I think scripture's a bit upside down because you've turned around and said, he's going to steal from me. He's going to kill me. If he's killed me, what's he left to destroy? Surely the Holy Ghost has got this one the wrong way around. He's looking to destroy. But what is he looking to destroy? In 1 Peter 1.23, it says this. Having been born again, not by incorruptible seed, uh, not by corruptible, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So the seed of God lives and abides forever and is incorruptible. You are corruptible, the vessel that that seed lives in, but the seed of what he sows in you is incorruptible. That's what you are born again by. It is an abomination to God when seed produces not after its own kind. If I plant an apple seed and it comes up as a cucumber, it's an abomination to the seed someone has messed with its DNA to cause it to do something else. Now we look at it now because we love fast food. We love just going into Asda in the middle of December and still getting a punnet full of strawberries. People have manipulated the food in its core nature so it produces bigger and better at different times of the year when it shouldn't be. There was a day, you lot that still got a piece of coal and a, and a kind of tangerine in a stocking at Christmas... But when you got to certain times of year, when you got a tangerine, it was like, wow, look at this is something that doesn't look grey. And it's still here in the winter. 
God turns around and says, my seed is incorruptible in its very core essence, and I sow that into you. Now, here's where I give you a truth that I hope it blows your mind as much as it blew mine. You are in Christ Jesus 100%. I accept him. Instantly, I accept him through repentance. I accept forgiveness and believe that he's been raised again. I am called a son or a daughter of the living God. Is that right? Instantaneously, that process takes place. Without getting confusing, I am saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. But at that instant moment, heaven sees the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that sin is forgiven and cleansed, and I am brought into the household and family of God. Am I still being biblical? Scripture says that he then takes me, even now where I'm here, before I pass, and he sits me with him him, in heavenly places. Am I still being biblical? So how much I am in him is his choice. How much he is in me is my choice. Oh, well, well, I'm saved now. I've got all of God. Oh, really? Really? Pastor Tony, before we started just preaching before, he made this statement before he handed over the mic. And one of them was, uh, and I must take up my cross daily and follow him. The choices that I make, the decisions I make, how I hold his word, how I hold his spirit, how I hold his promises, how I sit under his principles, how I sit under his protocols of life will dictate how much of Christ is in me. That's why there is 30-fold, 60-fold and 100-fold. That's why I move from immaturity to maturity. That's why scripture turns around and says, there are some conversations we can only have amongst the mature. Oh, but I've got Christ, you can say whatever you want. Really? And do not stick a novice into leadership. Oh, but we've all got Christ, it doesn't matter. Really? What is looking to destroy in you is the very seed life of the Christ nature being formed. He steals the word coming to you he tries to kill the spirit life that will generate in you and then he looks to destroy the christ life which is being formed in you that is the final step he wants to remove from your life altogether so let's go back to conception if we hold those three things do you know what we could do a month two months just on the things we've said this morning But we're just unfolding. I'm leaving this with you as being a word I believe in time. So go back to conception. Can the word come to you? I'm not looking for a yes or a no. This is questions you ask yourself. Are you good soil? And will your life be a well-watered garden that will give a return? Do you guard the word And do you treat it with the reverence and honour that it should have when the word is brought to you? Scripture says, and Mary stored up the word in her heart. Yeah, I've wrote my notes from Sunday morning. Yeah, it's not a bad one. What's next week? When's the ADT? Uh, I can always get the podcast. We've become storers of information rather than those who are holders of the word. But let me tell you something, when we draw that Holy Ghost into our life, he has the power to change any environment, including yours. Well, thank you for your underwhelming response. He has the power to change any environment, but do you know when he changes an environment? Not because you prayed. Not because you cried. Not because you woke up with snot on your pillow. And the world was formless and empty and darkness covered it. And the Holy Ghost was hovering. And God said, let there be, and there was. The Holy Ghost responds to the spoken word of the Father. 
So when I partner with the word, the Holy Ghost can't help but bring life into your dark situation. Oh, but I've been, it's all right for you, Phil, I've been robbed, I've been robbed all my life. So what? Start a new chapter. Oh, it's killed the life while I've got the ability to pump the well. I can go and say, go to the place in beer. And the the leaders and the elders said, oh, spring up, oh, well. And they took and they dug a new well. Are you going to dig a new well this morning? Are you going to give yourself the opportunity for the word to find a place? Are you going to find a place where the Holy Ghost can keep something coming? Are you going to find a place that when you look and people look at us, they see the Christ? There has to be the place of that set in our hearts. Well, let me leave you with this as I just conclude. When I take hold of the word, I make room for the Holy Ghost, and I recognize that the Christ has to be formed. Paul turned around and said, I labor as in childbirth until Christ is formed in you. The pattern of the New Testament church is not to make you the best person you could ever be. It's not the best to say that we all get a pair of ruby slippers. It's not the part to say, oh, do you know what? When I stand in a room, I just hold it when I speak. It's to form the Christ. Has the Christ been formed? That it works through. But when I move to where he is, a spiritual dynamic starts to take place there is a spiritual reaction and the reaction is this in acts 2 37 it says this peter's words whose words pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles brother what should we do to be saved whose words So they recognized the voice of God coming out of a different vessel that didn't look like Christ. There is the recognition of a different vessel. Oh, but Phil, you're dealing with the law of firsts. I think you need to have more reference than that. Well, I'm glad you asked, Eric. Acts 16, 14. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Tyretara named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Whose message? So what happened with Peter, with the 3,000 at the upper room, also happens when a man walks into a city. There is a recollection of what is happening here. Something is starting to be changed. But when that starts to change, and my heart is pierced, that means the word found a place. Your heart is only pierced when the word can find a place. So when Pastor Tony last week's going, we need a place of conception. Can you have conception? Can your heart be pierced and held by the word? And when it is, this is the, sex, uh, the next section that comes out. Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and as one translation would say, and to the fellowship... To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Unless your heart can be touched, there is no good seed of conception to take place in your life, which means doctrine cannot be established. There is no corporate unity and purpose. There is no power of covenant through the breaking of the bread. And the power of the two that can, when two come together, they can chase 10,000 is lost. The prayer of agreement and the amen and the amen cannot take place. Because you've been stolen from, you've been killed in your spirit life, and he's destroyed the Christ-like from coming through. If you actually look at it and say, and in our day there are many antichrists. The antichrist is not the 666 that's coming at the end and there'll be so many horses and the river will turn to blood and they'll have this in Jerusalem. The antichrist is anything that says that Jesus Christ cannot manifest in and through you. Paul turns around, it's the danger of the Nicolaitan doctrine that was coming into the New Testament church. Remove the Christ and stick one man as being the head. 
that there is no body ministry. There is no body life. There is no empowering of Christ in you and me. It can only be through special Chris. That's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And he said, be careful, it can't be found amongst you. And over the years, we find ourselves right back to one-man ministry where I step back and just the man at the front, the man who's going to do this, he has to be in charge of women's ministry and the prayer meeting and the kids' work and evangelism and preaching and every other list because the Christ life was robbed from you. But when Christ is seen... I don't know when you look at scripture and it said they called them Christians for the first time. They wasn't talking to the apostles. They looked at Eric and said, there's a little Christ. They wasn't being diminutive. They wasn't reducing him. They said, when I see you, I see what happened over there. But that lie, well, we're not talking to you, Delma. It's everybody but you. Because... Let's be honest, Delma, you know and I know, we've all got a story to tell. You have your issues, I've got mine. But So let's just leave it to Pastor Tony. When everything in the throne room of heaven is going, I am trying to birth the dream of heaven in you, that we become the move, that we be be the demonstration that the Christ life is found, that I'm a holder of the word, I'm a doer of the deed, that the spirit life is starting to flow. I know how to pump my well, even when it feels like, Lord, it feels like the world's against me. I find myself in his presence. We sang the song this morning, didn't we? That praise is the highway. Did we not? And we're singing a song, we're all giddy. Praise is the highway. Turn it to Tony, they're not knowing the words. That was my perfect enactment of you this morning. Praise is the highway. All of these things are secrets that are being shared by the Holy Ghost that we take for granted because we think we're singing a song. And he goes, you want to find Zion? You want to find the highway? Come through the gateway of praise. Come through the gateway of thankfulness. Come through the gateway of righteousness. Come through the gateway of holiness. And when I turn around and say, God, but I feel I've screwed up this week. He is faithful and just to forgive me from all sin and cleanse me of my unrighteousness. My God, Father, I'm back on the highway. And I move to where he is or I sit and mope. And I sit and mope because I got stolen from. That the promise of his word, I thought, it'll never come to pass. The promise of his word is, oh, I must have just been giddy that week. Oh, I must have been at that stage where I was gullible. How many Christians feel that they're gullible, that they chose to believe the promises of God? Come on, God help us. But I was stolen and then my water started to drip down. But I didn't want Chris to realise that maybe I'm not holding my position anymore instead of saying, Chris, can you stand with me? Can you pray with me? Together, can we try and push something through? Chris, can you even help me fill, fill the hole in my bucket? Let's pray for a word that says, God, you're going to do a soldering job on here that's going to make sure that where I fell here, I'm never going to fall again. The giants I saw today, I don't have to see tomorrow. Or do we say, oh, it's that time of the year again. That's it, Veronica. We always know every November the wheels fall off Veronica because that's when she remembers. But we have a new day and we have a new word and we have a new life. And the word comes and my spirit becomes a place of conception. And I hold the word and it excites me and it drives me in the morning saying, my God, you said we can do it. My God, we are going to do it. We're going to build together. We're going to stand. We're going to execute. We're going to lock arms together, shield to shield. Oh, but they had all things in common. Not if you are not a word and a womb for conception. None of those things can be your portion. They will only ever be wishful thinking until you hold your life and say, Word, you need to come to me. Spirit, I say to myself that I will stir up that which is inside of me. And I make the determine every day that as I apply the word, as I draw the spirit, I will take my steps to move closer to what the reflection of Christ is. 
that when I look in the mirror, I don't see me looking back. I look in the mirror and every day I look more like him. Oh, but Pastor Tony's been talking about conception. Listen, the Holy Ghost is giving you a heads up ahead of time. I am looking for a womb. It's fertile. You'll see it, Mel, again. I don't want to be too graphic, but they'll say for these ladies who are trying for a baby, there might be a thermometer in a certain time, and the husband gets a call at work. Now's me time! And the husband comes running home. There is the ultimate time where conception takes place. I stay in the office, she stays at home, no conception. God is bringing his word to you, is declaring it, but whether it be the heart of Peter or a Paul or whatever, is your heart being pierced? Is it being opened that says, my God, I'm ready for your word. Why? Because I need to change. My environment needs to change. My circumstances need to change so that Christ can be formed and that seed in me will bear fruit, bearing much fruit, bringing glory to the Father. Amen? Come on, let's stand to our feet. I'm going to make four points just as we pray. I'm going to tell you what the points are ahead of schedule so you can agree with me because I don't want you bailing out halfway through. Is that all right? So if I tell you what the points are, then we can have an amen and amen. Is that okay? So we're going to pray and just ask the Holy Ghost in a second to remove any obstacles from my life. Point number two will give me the heart of flesh which is pierced by your word. We're going to say that that word will then start to bear fruit. And I'm going to say even this morning that I dig a fresh well and I declare, spring up a well within my soul. Is that okay? This is a springboard for where we're going house. Because the word can come and come and come. There is no problem with the word. There is no problem with the declaration. There is no problem with the prophetic utterance in time and in season. The issue is, will it fall on you or is he instantly coming to steal the word? So come on church, let's just raise those holy hands as we make those declarations and say, my God, I pray this morning for every heart that's saying yes to you. I pray that you will remove the obstacles, Lord God, that's been there before. Oh my God, I pray that you will remove every stone. Lord God, I pray that there will be the highway to Zion set in the heart of every believer. No more detours, no more delays, no more obstacles. But I pray right now in Jesus' name for the removal of every obstacle in Jesus' name. I pray, my God, for good soil. I pray for good hearts, hearts of flesh, hearts that will receive your word, Lord God. Oh my God, I pray, make every heart, Lord God, Father, the womb for the dreams of heaven to be able to be sown. Make every heart, Lord God, arrest us in our sleep. Give us dreams, give us inspirations, give us ideas, give us transformation, Lord God, in a way that we've never seen before. Oh my God, I pray that I look past the vessel and I allow the word to pierce my heart, whoever is saying it, whoever is saying it. I pray I recognize the voice of God in the man or the woman who's declaring that word. And we declare again today, my God, that we will spring up, oh well. I pray for a fresh filling, I press for fresh life, I press, pray for a fresh beginning, Lord God. That even now, as we start just to just speak in our spiritual language, Lord God. Oh my God, where there's been barrenness, where there's been one word, where there's been no flow. I pray, my God, let there be a deluge, a deluge of heaven in every life, through every life, by every life. Right now, Lord God, as we hold you and we are excited, Lord that we lay hold of your desire, that we become the conception, that there is a place of pregnancy and there is a place of birth. But I pray, my God, that there be the rising of spiritual midwives in this house who can take from beginning to middle to end 
that you are giving glory, Lord God, that there is Father set in this house. And I pray right now, God, that you be gloried and honoured and all the praise given to you. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 And so concludes the prayer of David. Amen and amen. I have some even better revelation for you. The kids are off school. Leave the chairs. There are no toys. And there's tea and coffee around. Stay, chat, share life together. Amen and be blessed this week. Amen.